Hear that? Time to stay inside, right? I mean, who'd want to go outside in the midst of a really bad storm? Not many people, right? Well, today's guest? He's one of those people. In fact, it's his job. Joining me today is Mark Robinson. Mark works with the Weather Network, and I I really hope you don't mind me calling you this, Mark, but Mark is a weather geek. Welcome, Mark. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So yes, yes, that's totally fine. (laughs) Listen, tell me about your job. What do you do for a living? Well, actually, it's it's kind of interesting. Um, I I'm actually uh, an accredited meteorologist, so I actually went to school for for meteorology, um, and now I basically go and get myself into really stupid situations all over the world uh, to basically show that to the people, anybody who wants to see it, and it's sort of gone from just sort of talking about the weather to jumping into volcanoes, um, hiking up Mount Everest, like all kinds of different stuff. It's kind of been a wild ride. When did the fascination with, it's not just weather by the sounds of it, but these sort of extreme um, activities and extreme weather come about for you? Wow, Uh, you know what, as a kid, I was terrified of thunderstorms, like hide under your bed and, and like cry kind of terrified of thunderstorms. And as I got older, I started to not be quite as scared of it. And then one day we were, at, I just happened to be at, uh, at the zoo and my dad sort of, we saw this thunderstorm coming. So we made a, a run for one of the pavilions that's partly underground. And my dad uh, opened up a back door in the pavilion, which you're not supposed to do, uh, but that's okay. Um, and we basically watched this whole storm go by and I began to get really, really fascinated by it. I'd always been fascinated by uh, people like Jacques Cousteau and volcano uh, volcanologists. Uh, so that sort of thing sort of had always been there. But that that event really got me more and more interested in thunderstorms. Are there specific types of weather that interest you more than others? It's all interesting. Uh, you know, like I, I like for instance today that we just had uh, sort of a bit of a water spout outbreak on the Great Lakes. And you know, that's absolutely fascinating. We had uh, uh, you know, just some big clouds going up and I had to stop the car and observe those for a while. So I think though the, the one that interests me the most would probably be you know, thunderstorms and, and hurricanes because those are the, the real extremes of nature that we can find on the planet. I mean, the hurricanes are, are massive, massive storms. Um, and they're just, you know, they're an expression of the movement of energy around our planet. So there's no sort of more raw uh, event that you can find that sort of describe how our planet works. Now, I'm guessing that the vast majority of people listening today have never gone and chased a storm. Some of them will really appreciate extreme weather. Some people might be frightened of it, but very few will actually have gone and chased a storm. So how do you, in a very nuts and bolts way, how do you actually go and chase a storm? We usually know that, like, if we're talking about thunderstorms, we'll just use thunderstorms as, uh, as the chasing one, because that's sort of where a lot of things start. Um, we'll usually know about three days ahead of time. And keep in mind, this is in usually, like, this is only in the spring, summer, and sometimes into the fall. 
because uh, that's when we've got the, the heat um, and moisture available for to, to actually create thunderstorms. Um, so we'll usually know about three days ahead of time that we've got something coming, potential for a, for a storm. And we'll start to sort of watch that and then begin to narrow in where those storms are going to be. Um, and as we get closer to like the day of, we'll be able to narrow that down to like a fairly small area. And when I say a fairly small area, I mean, you can find maybe a town in about a hundred square miles <laughs> and, uh, and that whole area around there may set off thunderstorms, but there's been quite often times where you're sitting in a town and you suddenly need to drive uh, an hour, an hour and a half to get to the, to the new area where these storms may go off. So there's a lot of, of just sitting in gas stations or sitting in hotels or sitting at home waiting and watching the observations, waiting and watching for uh, things to change or things to begin to happen. But once things begin to happen, it usually happens in the late afternoon, uh, it can get really hairy really, really quickly. So one of the things that we're, we're watching for when we're just sort of, we, you know, when we know we've picked an area, picked a target area, and we know that, okay, storms are probably going to go up in that area, um, we usually sit in an area and watch satellite and radar. And what's really cool is nowadays, um, all those observations can be found on your phone. I, and it, that has changed chasing in such a big way. I used to have, you know, 11 antennas on my car, all this extra gear to pull in as much information as I possibly could. And now I'm down to, you know, one ham radio antenna and one, you know, extra radio uh, antenna for, for my phone. And that's it because all that information can be gathered in there. So you start to watch the radar, you start to watch the satellite, and you'll see like a little blip of uh, a little blip uh, show up on uh, on radar, and it might be close to you, it might be far away, and what you're you know watching for is that blip to get bigger and bigger. And on most radars, the lightest rain is blue, a little heavier is green, then yellow, uh, then orange, then red, and finally purple. Um, and when you're up to the reds, and you'll usually start to see lightning. At that point, you know you've got something that you can go after. And uh, at that point, you're trying to get underneath that storm and get to the business end of the storm. These thunderstorms are extremely organized. So you can actually pick out, usually pick out exactly where the tornado is going to be um, or where the heaviest hail is going to be, the heaviest rain, the most lightning. It's really fascinating. So it takes a lot of learning and then a lot of sitting around waiting, and then a lot of driving, and then there's the yelling and screaming as you uh, as you see the uh, you know tornado begin to form. And to be quite honest, for all chasers, we want to see these tornadoes out over empty fields. They're not doing anything to anybody. They're not hurting anybody. But there is that, of course, that very ugly side of the weather, uh, which is when the tornadoes pass through human habitations, and that one is always, always hard to see. I know recently there was actually a fairly terrible incident in Canada in the province of Manitoba. I believe two young people, both 18, uh, were killed in their vehicle. How do you ensure that you're safe or that the people you're chasing with are safe? What, what do you look for? How do you know when to back off? Wow. Um, you know, what? It's, it's all about the margins. It's all about giving yourself a safety margin, um, knowing the, uh, the, the road network, uh, knowing that uh, you've got a, an area to go to or just stop uh, before the storm ar arrives where you are or sort of uh, pull up behind the storm. Um, and having those, those safety margins and those, 
those uh, those escape valves or escape routes are absolutely critical. If you're not sure of your safety, if you don't, sh- if you're not sure you can get in there safely and get out, uh, you know what? You don't do it. Um, and I know that even even saying that, um, very sadly, in 2013, uh, we lost Tim Samaras, uh, who was a um, a storm chaser that had been doing this for 30 years. He'd been doing. Um, uh, research. Uh, he'd been like he was a, a tornado scientist, so he wasn't doing this, you know, just for for fun. He was doing this as a very serious thing. And uh, we were all in uh, in and around a town called El Reno in Oklahoma, and this was the world's widest, the biggest tornado ever recorded. Um, it was. 2.6 miles across. Uh, we, there was wind speeds in there recorded well over 300 miles an hour. I believe it was 475 kilometers an hour for that one. And Tim got caught. He, we went south. He went east. And he got caught um, himself, his chase partner, and his son um, were all unfortunately killed when their, when their uh, car was hit by a part of the tornado and literally picked up and, and thrown into a field. So even though you know, you put these safety margins in, you make sure that you know you're you're doing the best you can. You can end up still in a situation that you can't escape from. Uh, and I mean that's I never want that to happen to anybody. Uh, and so I you know I give these I give the the dangerous part of the storm as much a, a berth as I can, much as a, as a wide margin as I can. But often, if I'm if I'm trying to you know get information back to the weather network uh, about what's going on with the storm, so that we can get that out to our public, you know, you've got to get in a little bit closer, uh, especially with southern Ontario storms, because they are extra wet. So there's a lot of extra rain in and around them. So sometimes seeing the tornado is very difficult. Many years ago, I went down to Florida to Vero Beach to cover uh, an incoming hurricane. I can't remember what the name of that hurricane was. Uh, but it was fairly substantial. And I remember as the first feeder bands started coming in, uh, and they were quite powerful, I thought, this could be quite a large event. And me being kind of a puny human being, I might not have much control here. And it was it was truly a moment of realization for me that I thought, oh my God, Mother Nature is really powerful when she gets going. And this could become very dangerous very quickly. Um, and so I you know, quickly relocated and found a safe place with the emergency measures department to, to stay. And I guess this, this background is just to, to ask you, you know, for people who are not experienced chasers like you or these people who decide, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang on at the homestead as the, as the tornado comes my way, ain't no, ain't no wind forcing me out. Um, whether these people just, you know, have the same kind of impression that I might have had where they just think, oh, how how bad could it be? It'll be all right. Yeah, I mean, that's always a, a thing. Um, you know, like we I've been through 23 hurricanes now. Um, and that's it's the same sort of thing. Oh, it's, it's gonna be fine. I'll, I'll be it'll be okay. There's I think a, like there, not everybody's like that. I think there's a very small number of people that are like, oh, I've been through this before. Uh, and I, you know, I can handle it. Um, that one was sort of, uh, when I was in Hurricane Katrina, uh, I, we were right beside the Hancock Bank building. And I just, I remember going up to, uh, it, into the bank. It's a commercial bank. And there was a bunch of people there that were looking after the computer servers. And so they were like, oh, we've been through this before. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. 
And so I was chatting with him. I said, hey, look, if it gets bad, go into the stairwell. That's where you're going to want to be. Uh, you know, you'll be safe in there. The building probably won't come down, you know, like, and, and if the windows go out, you know, the flying debris, you, you should be okay. Well, about a quarter of the way through, we're standing on sort of the backside of the building, watching the windows on the backside blow out and computer desks and computer monitors and like whole server equipment came flying out these windows. And we knew the people were in there. Well, I get a chance to talk to them afterwards. And they had said, you know, they said, thank God we talked to you because we had no idea that it was going to be like this. They, she said, uh, the, the one woman I was talking to, she said, you know, I got, I, I was, you know, the windows blew in. We just remembered that you had said, go to the, go into the, the stairwell. And we were in the, in the cafeteria. We lost our sleeping bags, our food, everything went flying, but we managed to, you know, be okay because we managed to get to the stairwell. And that, that from then on, I'm pretty sure they evacuated at any hurricane. So these are the kinds of things you just don't want to fool around with um, unless you've had a lot of experience. And even then, it is dangerous. I distinctly remember standing at the bottom of the crater of an active volcano, standing beside the lava lake, and it was uh, um, uh, on Ambram Island in uh, Vanuatu in the South Pacific. And I'm standing there uh, beside my, my chase partner and uh, expedition leader, George Karunas, and thinking, if this volcano has an earthquake, I'm dead. There's, there's <laughs> no getting out of this. Like, it was really a humbling experience. What advice would you have? I'm just thinking here in my own home, we had some very severe weather the other day. Where, where should a person go in their own home if something looks really nasty? Well, you know what? The first thing you want to do is stay away from any large windows. Um, the one thing that, that kills people and injures people is not how fast the wind is blowing. It's what the wind is blowing. So it's always, the, the biggest thing is always flying debris. Um, if you've got a big plate glass window and, you know, you get a rock fired at the window, even at 100 kilometers an hour, like 60 miles an hour, uh, that'll smash that window. Now you've got all those pieces of glass moving at 60 miles an hour towards you. So you want to stay away from any of the big plate glass windows. If you are seeing a, a tornado, or if you've got a tornado warning, the best thing you can do is get into your basement. I've quite literally seen entire buildings, entire houses just swept right off. Like there's nothing left. And yet the person that was in there survived because she was down in the basement. Uh, and she was uninjured, completely uninjured. If you don't have a basement, smallest room in the house which is usually uh, the bathroom. It's usually got a very small window in it. It also has a copper piping that goes throughout the walls. So it's just going to be a little bit more safe than, say, a, a large you know, bedroom or something like that. So that's your last-ditch thing. And then, of course, if you've got uh, an older bathtub uh, that just happens to be steel, you want to be inside that. Just because, again, it all comes down to that flying debris. That's what injures and kills people. When you mentioned Katrina a couple of moments ago, and of course I remember that that you were there, and you've been so many places, uh, Tornado Alley, many many times in in the United States. Is there one all time extreme weather adventure that really stands out for you? And if so, what would that be, and why? Katrina. Katrina is definitely the one that stands out. We were in the worst of the worst of that hurricane, uh, and because it was such a historic event. Um, it, it sort of, 
it's going to be very difficult for anything to top that because for so long the United States had this idea that oh hurricanes are no big deal we can fool around with them oh this you know it's not going to do much ah oh, don't worry about it don't worry about it um, because you know death tolls were like three and those were usually traffic accidents or a tree falling over uh, and then Katrina hit wiped out a city and killed eighteen hundred people. That was a wake-up call like I haven't seen for the U.S. in a, in a long time and in, in terms of weather. Um, and so there was, it was the historicness of that storm plus being in the worst of the worst of that storm uh, and, and just sort of experiencing the whole thing. Uh, it will, I, I, it's going to be very hard to top that one. Now, I'm not sure whether it would have been Katrina or somewhere else uh, that you've been to, but you've been to more than one place too where there's been a very violent weather event and, and people have perished. Um, what is that like for you when that's obviously not what you want to go there and see? You're there because of the, the nature, you know, the, just the, the intensity of the event and you're there to report. But what's it like when it, when it makes that turn that no one wants to see? That is the, the, you know, as I said earlier, it, it's the ugly side. It's the, it's, the, it's the horrendous side. It's the tough side of it. Um, you know, I think just like anybody, uh, it, it's horrifying. It's hard. Um, the one I remember most was the, it was again back, here we go back to 2013 again, uh, was the Moore, Oklahoma tornado. Uh, it was an EF5 that ripped right through Moore. And uh, myself and Jacqueline, uh, Jacqueline Whittle, again, my, my um, co-host for the Storm Hunter show, uh, we were in there into Moore about three hours after the tornado. And we had to sort of put aside the fact that we'd just heard that uh, uh, some children had been killed in a, uh, in a school right near where we were. And you know, meanwhile, I have you know two daughters, uh, uh, you know, of that age. So I, I mean, I was sort of thinking, you know, how would I feel for something like that? Uh, and we just sort of had to report and let people know what was going on, that these people needed help. This was what was happening. These events are stupendous to watch, but when they in, when they impact people's lives, and it isn't just people losing their lives; it's people losing their homes, it's people losing their businesses. You know, it, it has such a massive effect on their lives that it's, it's a very, very difficult um, thing to see and, and to experience. It's almost like you have to sort of put that aside and, and, and try to, to let people know outside of that of, of what's going on and what they can do to help. But the, the, the interesting side of that is that I've gone back to some of these people. I've gone back to some of these homes. I've gone back to some of these neighborhoods that have been wiped out and said, hey, how are you doing? And, and it's always great to sort of see the, uh, the reaction of people because they say, oh, man, you know, the media never comes back and asks us how we're doing. It's like, it's so nice that the Weather Network has come back to, to find out how we're doing. And quite often people have said, you know, like it's been hard, but I'm doing better. Things are getting back on track. And it's always good for, for those survivors to see that, yeah, they've been impacted by this event, but they're once again, you know, doing well or, or at least, you know, getting things back on track. So I think that's the that's a side that I, I, I really like to emphasize and I, and I really like to see. Now, you, you just touched on the fact that you have two children, you're married. What does your spouse think when you're you're on these trips? 
Oh, she loves it. Uh, she, she used to come chasing with me all the time. Um, and uh, now that the, uh, the youngest one is getting close to a, an age where, you know, she can be left with, with parents and, and stuff, uh, Beth can't wait to get back out chasing with me. Um, both of my daughters went on their first storm chase when they were two weeks old. So, you know, there's that too. So, <laughs> this was very safe. I actually won't take either one of them out for, uh, for tornadoes. Although my older one, I, I, I have no choice. I, can, I will take her out on tornadoes. And I did take her out on one tornado day where we saw 13 water spouts out near Goderich in Ontario. So that was kind of a wild day. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm curious because I'm thinking to myself now, if I were somewhere like that, where potentially, you know, my health might be in jeopardy by simply being there, I suspect that I might get a phone call from my wife saying, uh, honey, I'd really prefer if you just didn't stay there. Can you get yourself somewhere safer? But that isn't the case when, when you're out, it's just sort of occupational hazard and Beth knows that you know what you're doing. She knows that, uh, you know, if I'm out with George and we're doing volcanoes in the South Pacific, we're taking every single, you know, risk management uh, that we can do. Uh, we want to come back. We want to show off these, uh, these things that we've seen uh, of, you know, parts of planet Earth uh, that not a lot of other people get to see or experience. Uh, and so we're, we're being as careful as possible. And she knows that even in the storms, I'm maybe a little more conservative than other people, so I tend to back off the tornadoes a little more than other people because I know that I've got a family I will have to come back to, and you know I'm I'm not I'm not 20 you know 18 anymore, and think that I'm completely invincible, <laughs> which I'm not. <laughs> on on one of those nights where it's pitch black and you're soaking wet and freezing somewhere and being pelted by little bits of debris with no power in your hotel, ha- have you ever thought? This pastime sucks. This job sucks. I'm done with this. Oh, there's moments I think like that. And then, and then I'll see something cool and go, no, nah, this is the best thing ever. I mean, you know, like, it, yeah. I mean, there's times where it's like, I'm wet, I'm cold, I'm tired. Oh my God, I can't, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the feedback to the office isn't working. Somebody at the studio is just sitting there waiting. I was like, oh, just wait a minute, Mark. Uh, and I'm sitting in the snow and there's, you know, snow dripping down my neck and I'm like, <laughs> but at the same time, I have gotten to do some stuff that very few other people in, in the world uh, get to do. So, yeah, I love my job. There, there's really no getting around it. I do love it. Just a couple more questions. And, and one of them is that, you know, the topic of climate change prior to the pandemic, we all seem to be talking about that. Um, do you and other chasers think that we are seeing more extreme weather or greater intensity to the extreme weather that we're seeing? We actually shot a whole episode of Storm Hunters on um, the, the changing nature of Tornado Alley. And so we got a chance to talk to a bunch of uh, you know, top scientists uh, in and around the, the states, like sort of all over Tornado Alley. And we asked them that exact question. The one thing that they have found that there's, there's a little bit stronger evidence for is that there's a clustering of these events. So rather than seeing, say, uh, if, let's just take July as an example. Um, say in July you see one thunderstorm a day. That's perfect because that's really good for the farmers because you're getting a little bit of watering every single day for your crops. It's perfect. 
What we're seeing now is that same 30 thunderstorms, so there's not really a change in the number of thunderstorms, but what we're seeing is that rather than getting one per day, we're getting nothing for seven days, and then 10 on one day, and then nothing for another seven days, and then 15 on another day. Uh, you know, so what's happening is not so much uh, a change in, in um, how much thunderstorm action we're seeing, but what we're seeing is that it's concentrated on a couple of days. And that's a big problem for farmers because we don't have a really good way of capturing that water for irrigation of the crops. So we're seeing more and more equipment having to be bought and put onto the farms to make sure the crops are watered. And that's a, you see a corresponding increase in your, uh, in your food prices. Um, but when you get down to the real science, there's no question. There's no real question. We're just down to quibbling about details in science now, uh, as opposed to whether it's happening or not. I understand for chasers that there is a tradition involving a steak dinner on certain days. Could you tell us what that's about? <laughs> yeah, there's. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know where it started. Um, but there's this. There's this thing. If you see a tornado, you're allowed to have a steak dinner. And God forbid you have a steak dinner before you see a tornado because the rest of the t people in your team will quite literally murder you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of a running joke. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things. You're not allowed to have a steak dinner if you're down on your two-week uh, you know, two tornado alley chase uh, until you've seen a tornado. And there's been a couple of years where I have gotten no steak dinners. And there's been a couple of years where I've had to carry over the steak dinners to the next year because I've seen so many. <laughs> Well, listen, you haven't heard this sound before, at least from me, but that indicates that we are hitting the final rapid fire round where I'm just going to ask you a few quick questions and I'm looking for super fast answers. So here we go. Tornado Alley or the Canadian Prairies? Oh man, both. I'm going to have to say both. Both are amazing. <laughs> Would you rather cover a tornado or a hurricane? And I think you touched on this earlier and why? Oh man, um, tornadoes for the sheer uh, beauty of them, hurricanes for the sheer experience of them. Uh, they're just, they're two different monsters. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, StormHunterTWN. What are you really looking forward to doing when the pandemic is over that you can't do now? Oh boy, um, see all my friends? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Listen, Mark Robinson, meteorologist, storm hunter, guy who stood inside a volcano but not right on the lava, even a scuba diver. Thanks for sharing your inside story today. It's been great. My pleasure. It's been fun. Thank you. Mark was a lot of fun to speak with today, and here's a little known fact. Many years ago, as a reporter, I traveled with Mark and other storm chasers to Tornado Alley. I saw the biggest storm, a supercell, that I have ever seen in my life. It was incredible, it was powerful, it was unforgettable, and it was dangerous. If you're interested in chasing, connect with some experienced people. Take lots of photos, and please, don't take unnecessary risks. I'm Scott Simme, and this has been Inside Stories, 
though today it was a little more about being outside. Take care. I'll see you in a week. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of Bank of Montreal, its affiliates or subsidiaries. Thank you.